Let's face it, getting older sucks. Getting older in the age of social media is even worse. Do you hate it when people tell you to age gracefully? Do you want to know how to live your best life at any age? Well, so do we. First rule, don't call me ma'am. Now, here's Jody Miller. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Don't Call Me Ma'am. I'm Jody Miller, and don't fucking call me ma'am. Today, my guest, I say this about a lot of people, but is one of my closest <laughs> best friends. Uh-huh. And I think I've known you next to my other friend Pam, probably the longest in L.A. and definitely the longest working relationship mm-hmm. as far as um, the amount of shows we've performed in together, jobs we've worked on together. Um, places we've been drunk together, like that's, <laughs> which is also a job in case you don't know. She uh, is a amazing improv actress, sketch actress, actress in general, writer, producer. She is fucking amazing. Put your hands together, everyone out there, unless you're driving for Kimberly Lewis. Thank you, Jody Miller. Say she's so sweet. Uh, she's also a very proud dog mom, and she yes. has one of the best dogs out there. Magoo. Uh, Magoo. Mr. Magoo. Mr. Magoo. Um, and he is the cutest thing ever. And we also lived in the same building for 10 years until I moved two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, all right. So let's talk about this because, obviously, we've known each other a very, very long time. And it's funny because when I was packing, and I've gotta, I, I can't find it now because I put it in a different box, but I found an album that you mm-hmm. made for me yeah. on, on one of my birthdays, um, which is a lot of pictures of us. We came up together through Acme Comedy. And just a little background, I had already started taking classes at Acme, and you were in this amazing improvised group called Liquid Radio Players. Liquid Radio Players, an improvised 1940s radio show. Is fucking brilliant and amazing, yeah, and I wish you guys group. would do more shows again. Yeah, uh, Amazing. And I remember seeing her, and I'd only been doing improv for a short period of time in New York, and I'd been out here a few years. And I remember thinking, holy shit, I've never seen anyone <laughs> as talented as her. Just, I've never seen anyone. I just was like, I could not, I was in such awe. And we became friends pretty much right after that. We went into a class together. We came up with Joel McHale, mm-hmm. a lot of really phenomenal improvised actors. Um and, and that was like that, 19, 18, 19 years ago? Something yeah. Something like that? Yep. It was it probably was. 2000. It was either 2000 It was or right before 2000. Oh, that's right. Right before 9, December. Uh, yeah, 9-11. Right before 9-11 because you were yeah. one of the people that I spent that night with. That's we'll right. talk, we talk about that too. Oh, gosh. I forgot about that. But um, looking through those photo albums and looking through some of those pictures, I mean, it's interesting just about getting older too, and you are older than me. We're not revealing her age, people, so <laughs> suck it. Um, <laughs> but it is it is interesting, and by the way, nobody in Los Angeles looks like their age or really feels like their age, except, I mean, our bodies like to remind us of our age on the daily. But, I mean, it is interesting looking at these pictures and when you're friends with somebody that long. Like, I I look at these pictures and, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, we were young. We looked young, but I still look at us and I still think we look the same. Like, my brain doesn't, like, comprehend, like, we're older. You know what I mean? Do you ever do you get that? Yeah, in a way. It's funny because I... <laughs> You know, I was one of those people, and I think everybody says this, but I definitely was one of those people who people would always say, oh, my God, you don't look your age at all. I thought you were 10, 15 years younger. You look amazing. Like, that was my story my whole entire life. And I swear to God, I woke up one day, like, in the past year, and everything had changed. Like, everyone's reality and perception of me had changed, and I was no longer that person. And Are you now the person that when somebody when you tell someone your age they're like oh yeah that makes sense yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah so um, well now I guess I'm I'm about to reveal my age ish but so I asked a, a friend if he would recommend me to his commercial agent <laughs> right and uh, and so he did and he said. And he said, yeah, I just, I sent an email and I said, oh yeah, she's this great, you know, improviser and sketch comic, you know, like early 50s, blah, blah, blah. And I, my heart like skipped a beat. Like it really hurt my feelings, even though right. I absolutely know that I now I look my age and on some level I'm okay with it. On the other level, I was so upset and I just like covered it. Up. I was like, uh-huh. I was like, he's like, that's that's right. That's okay. And I was like, uh-huh, that's great. Yeah. And he's totally doing me. <laughs> She's like favor. popping out of van, just <laughs> sitting there, just like, it's fine. I know it it oh. Oh wait, did you un- get my, unplugged? Uh, oh I came on home. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I in 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 a moment, I kind of I, I I realized that 
it was it was true that I no longer look younger than my age, and it was it, it was it was rough. I'm it not is a, lie. it's a really rough moment. Yeah. I definitely have had moments, especially more than this year than any other year. But it is I, if your reaction when I tell you my age isn't get the fuck out of here, then I don't want to hang out with you. Then I don't like you. And it's like, it is a very strange thing that happens. Now, here's the thing. I, I didn't have that same experience you had. Growing up, I always appeared older. Hmm. And... You know, I would I could like buy beer because I could like dress older. Looking back at those pictures, like I definitely was younger, but I definitely looked older, I think, than my friends. And then I had this, you know, and then I started looking just normally my age. And then when I discovered Botox and fillers, I started getting that you don't look your age. But I mean, eventually you just start looking your age or somewhere in the age range. And for for us in this industry, there's nothing that tells you your age more than going to an audition mm. and all of a sudden you walk in and you're like oh is is this the room I am for for Tylenol and everyone there looks 10 years older than you and you're like <laughs> you no no think no they do. you think they do you're like oh this isn't no I'm am I playing your daughter or no wait no I no that's me uh grandma role of grandma like I remember the first time I went out for young mom and I was horrified just for that I've got I would do anything to oh my fucking God. be young mom yeah. now young mom is like 25 now. yes I that know young mom is yeah. fucking 25 like 25 oh, it's so it's so brutal my most recent audition <laughs> I went out for this one line it wasn't even a line oh yeah tell everybody this <laughs> oh my Guys, God. you're ready for some Netflix this. series big deal um it was wasn't even a line it was I was auditioning to play a witch and the line quote unquote was just to cackle so first of all they're auditioning people for this for they're, a cackle they're auditioning people for, for a single cackle like anyone you could cackle actually phoned it in you could, <laughs> you could phoned... literally have phoned it in right right so anyone who's ever taken a single acting class can probably <laughs> believably cackle I wa- right so you know I, I, I just the fact I mean they could have cast this off of a picture whatever so and I'm sitting there in the waiting room and you can hear all the people <laughs> before you and they all sound the same they cackling all, they all sound like Margaret Hamilton and The Wizard of Oz and you know like I'm trying to I'm trying to like keep my spirits up and like be plucky and be like sure you know like it could still happen for me (laughs) and I look around and I'm like holy shit I'm about to walk into this you know I have a fucking MFA in acting and I'm about to walk into this small office to cackle for a girl who is uh, at least 30 years my junior. Very sweet girl. Uh, we now but... need to hear the cackle. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so let's, everybody, we're going to recreate that day. <laughs> and I'm going to be, I'm going to be the 30-year-old casting assistant. Okay, you have to give me some direction, though, because she gave okay. me different types of cackling. Like, cackle like you're, okay. like, All right. s- s- wistful. Um, or cackle hi. Like you're... Uh, hi, it's nice to, Kimberly Lewis. Uh, uh, yes, hi. Hi, slate your name, please. Hi, I'm Kimberly Lewis. Great, thank you. Um, now... Should uh, I pretend like I'm holding the flowers and picking them up like it says next Actually, character? let's, you know, for now, <clears throat> let's pretend that you're picking up the flowers. Oh, Do okay. a picking up flower cackle. <laughs> okay, um, all right, so now, like, how about you, all right, you're actually holding it and the mm-hmm. cackle is bigger. It is like a menacing cackle. <laughs> <laughs> And I did a sad one. Do you want to hear my sad one? Yes, I actually want to hear the sad one. <laughs> that actually sounds like a baby. It sounds like a dog. A dog or a baby. One of those babies. I think I did something like that at oh, one you point. You did? Yeah, it just was insane. Oh, my God. And then it was a happy cat. I just, just like, like, what are we doing? What am I doing with my life? First of all, what is Netflix doing that they spent money on that, by the way, oh, on that no. session, which cost a lot of money to get a cackle? But this, But here's what happens to me when I go to auditions and- this is why I hate one of the reasons I hate going to auditions. I see, you know, you go into the room and there's all the other people there. And I go and I look at the other people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I would cast her. Like, there's, I always look oh, at someone my. else and go, oh, there's the person who's perfect for it. I never feel like, oh, I'm perfect for it. And I swear to God, the woman who was two people ahead of me, I mean, God, it's not like she was unattractive, but she literally looked like a witch. Like, just her features and she was angular and what she was wearing and her hair. And I was like, wow, like, she wouldn't really even need makeup. Right. I, just thought, <laughs> I mean, that's terrible to say. And I, her, her cackle sounded great, you know. <laughs> 
You should have just been like hired when she walked out. You're hired. But why do you think you do that? I mean, because I've definitely done that too. Like, it is you. I think you start out, you know, in this industry. It's just incredibly hopeful. I love to call it like I had so much childlike optimism in all areas of my life that nothing's impossible. Like, of course, it's going to happen because when I first started, I did book everything. I booked everything right away because I didn't know. And everyone told you it was hard, but you didn't know. You don't know the rejection. Mm -hmm. So it is childlike optimism. You're like, why wouldn't I book that? And I did. My first thing was a part on a soap and I had one line. And then is this going to hurt was my line. And Uh, I said it. Oh, I'd like to hear it. Okay. um, I said it. It was right before I was getting, they were putting a, I was 22 and they were going to put me under for a colonoscopy, which now looking back is, <laughs> now looking back is ridiculous. It's like a foreshadow. Exactly. Because guess who just had a fucking colonoscopy? Yes. This girl. But guess who was looking forward to those drugs? This girl. So before they were putting me under, and I remember I walked in there, it was for Another World, which used to air after Days of Our Lives on NBC, but is no uh, longer. Passions took over. Mm-hmm. And I went in and I had my own dressing room and I was more excited than anything. I had to dr- drive into the city the day before to get my script and I got my script it was an under five which means you have five lines or less and I only had one line but it was okay is this going to hurt and that was the line and I had my own dressing room and it had my name and I was like well I arrived obviously like this is where it all happens and then I was wondering why they weren't coming to get me for makeup because somebody told me they would come get me for makeup and then I went out there and they're like oh you're not going to get makeup because you're getting a procedure like you don't need makeup Uh. and I and I I said I I have to get makeup like I made a very big deal about it so they I think they just like appeased me and put me in makeup and put me a little to make up and I remember like trying to lean up and going is this gonna hurt <laughs> and then they were like Jody just lay down like and just say it just like matter of factly and I was like so then I tried to be like really casual is this gonna hurt they're like not sexual like just just <laughs> You're not having sex for the first time. Oh, my God. So just say it. And I was like, is this going to hurt? Like, I think I just said it so irritated. And they're like, great, done. And moving on. And then that was it. But I booked that. And then I booked Law & Order because there was, like, not a lot of shows in oh, yeah. uh, in New York. And then one other thing on The Sopranos because it was the first season and I was a club goer and I inserted my face in that scene. And then nothing again for, like, 35 years. So um, it, was, it was one of those things where... I originally started out thinking I'm going to always get this role and I'm perfect. And that was a weird transition. When did like how was your what was your experience in that? And how did you get to that point of like feeling like, well, why are they going to cast me? Well, first of all, why haven't I ever seen any of these clips? I I'm have, pissed I and where uh, they are. we need to have a viewing party. <laughs> uh, second of all, you know, I think I've been around long enough and I've seen people who have gotten famous yeah. slash semi-famous slash work a lot, yeah. not quite famous, but work all the time. Yes. And I'm convinced that the one thing, and these people are all very talented. They they right. absolutely are, and they're hardworking. They're no more talented nor hardworking than a lot of other people I know who don't book like they do. Right. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes people who aren't all that talented. Yes are successful as well. Right. I know that sounds like sour grapes, but I'm no, trying to stay from a, a purely like observational objective point of view. But the one thing that I can that I have observed ties all of these people together. Well, two things really, but the main thing is they seem to have an unshakable belief in themselves. Right. Like they just there's a, a sense of entitlement and not in a bad way, but right. they just it's like they just, like, kind of like you were saying, they just absolutely believe that it was going to happen. There's no reason it shouldn't happen. Right. Why shouldn't it be them? It's it's already, you know, preordained. It's going to be them. I mean, and I, and I am in awe of those people. I n- never, ever, ever was that person. I think maybe when I was young, young, like, you know, preteen, teenager, and I was, like, auditioning for the school play right. and the school musical, th- at that point I was, I sort of felt that way. I don't know when I started to... Because you are. Just side note real quick. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like I look at you and I see like it's it's shocking to me that you don't think that about yourself. And, I, and trust me, I'm, I'm not saying that as a judgment because there's a lot of people I'm sure listening that don't. And I definitely have been beaten down over and over and over again where it chips away at your self-confidence. But And you would tell me the same thing in certain areas of my life or maybe not and then this is where our friendship ends today but um but like I look at you and I'm like there's no reason that you shouldn't have that career like you're so unbelievably talented and so good at what you do and I'm not saying that just to like pump you up but it's so true so it is shocking to me a little bit that you don't have more of that do you know what I mean I think 
it's weird. I mean, you know, I think if I had had a little bit, a couple of breaks early right. on, mm-hmm. I think that that could have changed things right. for me. But I, I don't think, <clears throat> you know, I've thought a lot about this. I, I don't know that I'm a super resilient person, unfortunately. Right. Like, I don't take rejection all that well, which right. is, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> so I'm in the right business. In the right business, yeah. for sure. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I don't like bounce back. I don't go like, well, you know, they're lost and all that. So, I mean, I can say that, but mm-hmm. that's not really what's going on internally. Right. So um, I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. So I think, you know, the other element I was going to mention when I said, like, I think there are right. two things that differentiate people who are successful and people who aren't. The one is that sort of like unshakable faith, which I don't think you can fake. I think it's either in there mm-hmm. or it's not in there. <clears throat> you can try to fake it, but I don't know that it's, you know, um, it, the other piece is luck, you yeah. know, and not to begrudge anyone their luck, but I always feel like, I always describe it like me and someone are walking down the street together, mm-hmm. and it's it's stormy out. And that person gets struck by lightning, and I don't. And there's the only difference is they were standing six inches away from me, or whatever right. it is. So um, I think if I had had, you know, I had, you know, things that came close to coming to fruition early on and just didn't, and... You know, probably, and I should take definitely take responsibility. If I had, like, doubled down and, you know, been the type of person to say, like, well, you know, fuck them and I'm going to show them and right. I'm going to work, you know, a million times as hard. And I actually think you're that person. This is what I think the thing I admire about you the most, Jody Miller, is that you, you know, you work harder, I think, than anybody else I know and I mean, I've seen you through like some ups, some downs, Everything. and you have fucking like you have <laughs> like clawed your way to where you are. And I don't know why it's been so hard for you. And I know you and I have talked about that a number of times. But the the absolute one of the main things you have going for you is that you are you are resilient. Like when you you know you, you might be down for a minute, but you you bounce right back and you come back. You know twice as energized and twice as focused and you're like well fine well then I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or I'm not going to give up or I mean I don't know if you've talked about the America's Got Talent thing or if you I want haven't to talk but about we know well, let's talk about it I actually haven't talked about that with it and because you were there through I was the there baby thing. and oh, thank yeah. you for saying that and it is definitely a struggle and I feel like I, I feel like for our friendship too we definitely we see the, see what we need see what we can't see in ourselves mm-hmm. sometimes and that's maybe a reason that we are in our lives for so long and I'm super grateful for that but um, for those of you that know me from America's Got Talent um, it was an amazing experience that I do not regret having in case anyone was wondering because a lot of people brought that up to me but you know I it was after my mom had died and you know you lost your father you know years ago and so you know that feeling of that first year when you're in hell and it was about a year after and I was trying to get pregnant it was all this stuff and then a friend of mine was like hey I'm going to pull one of your stand-up clips and I've gone out for like Last Comic Standing I've gone out for a lot of stuff and nothing has ever really happened and they pulled a clip and they they brought it to America's Got Talent like you know they submit they submit stuff privately before there's any open auditions in case people were like oh that's how it works well that's how it works a lot of people submit stuff and of all the comics that were submitted especially from this one casting person they they picked me so I had a very secret, secret audition for five producers uh, or I just did my, you know, 90 seconds and they loved it. They loved everything about it. It was great. So I get my, I get on the show and then you do your, you know, live audition for the judges and you can bring, you know, someone. And I, of course, brought Kimberly and we sat in this waiting room with fucking crazy crazy waiting room. Children that are hopped up on meth. Oh my God. Just like in fucking (laughs) the weirdest, like banana costumes. Right, like Eastern Europeans who are like these like giant, like. They have no bones at all in their body. Oh, those are, you know, these like Eastern European like acrobats and they're wearing like unitards. (laughs) You know, they're like, Yuri, we must prepare the lift or I don't even know it was insane it was like being it was like being in a circus it was crazy, it was crazy. and people are um, people are doing interviews people all doing over interviews us. for B-roll it was, right. it was it was fucking nuts it was, I was nuts. like it was terrifying actually was terrifying I knew that uh, what show I was going to be on but I didn't know what order like nobody's communicating you're just sitting there just with like waiting, children waiting, waiting. just like running around like I'm a dancer you just yeah. want to like punch someone out you're just like freaking out there's so nothing dense. to eat you're just like freaking out I'm doing my own makeup and I'm bathroom while a child is like vomiting like it's just like what's going on here it was insane 3,000 people in the theater downstairs and the judges 
And all of a sudden, they call me. Now, you, you didn't go down there with I know, because I had no. to choose yeah, to, to be choose in the audience, in the or, audience or in the and waiting I, room. And I, I knew I wanted to be where you wanted me to yes, be. Yes, and I you, needed you yeah. there a thousand percent. Because at that time, I had been doing comedy, I don't know, 17, 18 years. And I remember going down there and suddenly feeling as nervous as I did the first time I did stand-up. Yeah. Like, there is just that, especially because I wasn't allowed. I could see the stage, but I wasn't allowed to see my mark. They tell you just to walk out. There is no run-through. You don't know what's going to happen, even though you've seen the show. So it's a lot of just, like, what am I doing? And my own producer was like, okay, you get all, you're next. I'm like, what? So all of a sudden, they introduce me. 3,000 people start, you know clapping and then I walk out. And then, you know, what you see on t- TV, it, which is horrifying, is they talk to the comic or any performer before. Now, for, for anybody else, that sh- seems fine. But for a comic, we mm-hmm. are used to coming on stage, doing our material, yeah. and then you talk to us afterwards. We are coming out and this is who we are and this is our voice and whatever. Right. But now they want to get to know me. So they start asking me questions, you know, and I've got Howie and Heidi and, you know, Howard and Mel, and they're asking me questions. And, of course, in my mind, I'm like, be funny, be charming, be this, be that. You know, do you look fat? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on? You're going to And fart. were you delivering groceries? I was delivering groceries at the time. time. For real, that's a real thing. People yeah. don't believe it. And and I was. And, of course, you know, they asked questions about that. It was funny. And then they were like, okay, you know, do you remember Heidi was like, you know, okay, make us laugh. And I was like, well, no fucking pressure there. And people oh, laughed at right. that. And the second I got that first laugh, now here's – Something amazing and and awesome that stays with me, which is another reason they can't they can't ever take this away from me, is that I I needed a second. And any performer, you would know this too, as an improviser too. Improvisers, the scary thing about stand up, and Kimberly has done stand up before, is there's no fourth wall. Even with improv, so the fourth wall meaning the audience is you put a wall up when you're performing, like when you see people you pretend on stage, the audience, you pretend there. they're not there. Right. And as improvisers, you know you break that fourth wall to get suggestions. Right. But then when your scene starts, right, you pretend the audience isn't, isn't there for there. the most part. Yeah. Stand up, the audience is the fourth wall, which is why it makes it very scary. So I needed one second from just talking to them as Jody Miller to become Jody Miller. So I looked down for one second, even though I knew the clock was ticking. I was like, fuck it, this is my moment. I took one deep breath, and I swear to God, I shit you not, it was like I felt my mom's hand just on my shoulder. <gasps> now, that always makes me, like, sad. But And then I looked up, and that determination you were, you were describing, like, I looked up, I locked eyes with Howard Stern, and the second I started speaking, and every comic knows that feeling when you're just fucking in the zone, mm. it was like, there was I didn't nothing mattered at that moment. I was yeah. like, this is my fucking shit. I've got that. And it was amazing. It was three applause breaks in 90 seconds. It was a four judge entire 3000 audience standing, standing ovation. ovation. It was unbelievable. Yeah. The sound that was coming and the people that were blown away. And I'm not saying that like, go watch my clip, but go watch my clip. Go watch the clip. But it's yeah, one, she's of not those, exaggerating. one of those moments that. It was an unbelievable experience, and every one of those judges said the most complimentary things to me. It couldn't have been any, you know, better. Eliza was in the audience. Eliza Slazinger was in the audience and came running back around and Mm -hmm. just hugged me, and she was like, this is it! This is your moment! Um, Nick Cannon also hugged me, and and here's I sometimes have a weird thing with people I don't know hugging me right away, and I remember he hugged me, and my first thought was, I don't know you! Like, it was just weird. It just was like, it threw (laughs) me off guard. So, um, here's the thing about these reality shows, people. They're not reality shows, competition shows. They're not. Producers have their favorites. They move people forward. There was another comic there that day who was going to perform in the second show, Wendy Liebman, who's brilliant, love her. She's an amazing comic. Um, she's about 10 years older than me, and she's a mom, stepmom, and I love her. And she was like, she's like, damn. And I go, oh, my God, you're in a different show. You're a totally different comic. You're going to kill it. You're going to destroy it. Everyone there was buzzing. I had to stay there for hours afterwards. Everyone was like, we got to get a lot of B-roll with Jody." People were pulling me aside. All the producers were talking. They were, like, prepping me. They're like, there's never been a comic to win. There's never been a girl at that point to win. Like, they were prepping me. They were doing specific interviews that they needed. They're like, we need a little bit of this. We need more of Jody over here. They had me just meet with the social media person. Like, get everything in order. Everything was completely orchestrated. And I know these shows are sort of, like, you know, not as until you get to the audience, you know, when the audience calls in and votes, that is real. Mm-hmm. But other than that, moving forward, it's pretty it's, orchestrated. It's pretty orchestrated. Yeah. And I knew that. But for the first time, I thought it's fucking going my way. Yeah. And it should. I've done enough fucking work for this to be going my yeah. way. We were like, this is it. This is it. And my friend who worked on the show, who wasn't there for my audition, but came later because they were taping a second show, called me up. He goes, 
I don't. I didn't see your audition yet, but what the fuck did you do? Because every person on that crew was talking about mm. you and talking about that you were going to go all the way. Like they were already getting. And then my producer contacted me. She's like, I need you the next three sets. Tape them mm-hmm. right now just so I have them because you have to go through you have to go through them so they can approve all of your material. And you had to be ready to fly to New York like the, a the, week later? Uh, two that? weeks later. Two, two weeks, weeks later, later okay. is when the next round was. But they did hint to me they might put you straight oh, through right. to lives. So just be aware of that. So everybody started getting, all the people that I knew that at audition started getting their information to fly when they were mm-hmm. flying to New York for the second round. And... You know, I was waiting, I was waiting, I was waiting, I was waiting. I signed all these contracts. They talked to my manager. Everything was good to go. Waiting, waiting, waiting. I reach out to the guy that I know. I'm like, I haven't heard anything. He's like, that's because I'm hearing that they might push you through Mm. to, you know, to the next round or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Waiting, waiting, waiting. Supposed to leave on a Saturday. My friend, who also auditioned, got cut on Friday, who also got an approval, but he he got cut. And 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 then I text my friend and I go, wait a minute, is there a possibility to get cut? And he's like, it's very rare. He's like, again, I'm not hearing any of that. And then my producer reaches out to me. She's like, fingers crossed that everything's moving smoothly. I'll let you know when I hear anything. Everything sort of seemed very weird that Mm. last night before. And then that that. Saturday we were supposed to leave for New York. At 6 a.m. is when they sent me the email. They said the producers decided to go in a different direction. Best of luck. And in my mind, I'm like, they're never going to air that because how can they air that? And then I just disappear. Right. It wasn't just like you get a yes. Right. It was... Mon- it was it was an unbelievable moment. Yeah. And Kimberly will tell you, I fell onto the floor. Yeah, you hit bottom. I hit bottom so hard. Yeah, I've bad. never hit bottom that hard. I was ready to give up the industry. It was I was bad. like, that's it. This is the universe's way of telling me, stay down, bitch. That's what I thought it was. How long ago was this? Uh, five years ago? Five years ago. Um, yeah, oh, wow. five. I think four, four. Yeah, so it um, was really, 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 really hard. What happened was, and I got out of it, and this is for people that are in a really <laughs> difficult place. What happened for me afterwards is, so it was like four nights after I cried every day. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. Everybody couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. Nobody was giving me answers. I couldn't understand what was going on. Um, I had heard that Wendy Lieberman, although didn't have a great audition, then didn't even air her audition, was going to the next round. And I thought... They 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 can't have two white Jewish women they yeah, just that are around the same too. age. Right. I, that's my first thought was they went with her, and it didn't matter what the, whatever the reason was. It was still very very devastating. And I remember I had a show at the Irvine Improv. Four days after, I contemplated canceling it, but all my friends were like, "Did I go, go down there with you for that show?" You didn't go for that show, oh, okay. but you went to another show. But okay. this was the first show after this had happened. And I drove down there, and it had already traveled throughout the comic community. Mm-hmm. It had, my audition traveled throughout the comic community. Everyone's like, I heard you fucking destroyed. I mean, nothing had aired or anything, but yeah. it had also traveled that I had gotten cut. And, and, of course, everyone's like, well, I mean, this is the industry. Like, people felt bad, but, of course, no one's going to feel that bad. And I remember sitting at the Irvine Improv. I think I was talking to Adam Ray. Uh, he has a great podcast, too. Watch it. Um, he, he's so great. <laughs> watch that podcast. Watch that. Uh, I mean, watch it. Listen to it. Well, it's also you can watch the video podcast. Oh. Yeah. So he... Um, he was just like, it's so horrible. I can't even believe you're here tonight. I go, I can't either. Like, I just want to do my set and go back home and cry and stay in bed. My manager was like, I'm giving you the week to mourn. And then you need to snap mm-hmm. out of it because I was like, I think this is it. I think I'm going to think about moving out of L.A. Like, we're done. So it sold out, the Irvine Improv. It was a comedy juice. Great show. And they introduced me. I, I walked down there like a zombie. I was completely on autopilot. There was nothing about that set that I was just like, I didn't care. I was doing 20 minutes. I walked on stage. I took the mic out of the mic stand and people were clapping, clapping, clapping. And as the audience died down, someone, this couple that drove an hour to see me from San Diego screamed out right at the right moment because the, audi- the applause was good. They just screamed out. Again, America's Got Talent hadn't aired nothing. They just loved me from just uh, seeing me perform. They just yelled out, we love you. Mm. It was very funny and people started laughing because it was like right at that moment. And something happened in that moment that I still get chills about. Mm. My, I looked at them and they were so happy to be there and I thought, this is why I fucking do right. this. They'll never be able to take that away from me. And I almost started crying. And then I thought, don't cry on stage. That's weird. And everything 
everything shifted. The girl that I went down there with the comic said, you could tell my body, everything shifted. And I thought, fuck it. You guys want a show? And I blew that fucking room up. And it felt fucking phenomenal. And it just felt great. And I thought, they can't take that away from me. Mm -hmm. They cannot take my talent and my drive away from me. And then it turned out that they did air my episode. And that was weird. And we were all thrown off. And when it aired, it was magical. And... It was worth it all because of that. I mean, I hate what they did to me. It turns out a lot of people lied. The judges had no idea. Yeah, I am friends with judges. Howie. Yeah. Um, and Howie's been on the show, Funny Shasta, that Kimberly also writes on. And they didn't know anything of it, of course. Why would they? But they asked for me. It was very weird. It was yeah. a big... It's fine. I understand the world of production. I'm not, you know, naive to that. It was a horrible thing that happened. I still do not deter people for auditioning. They cannot take that experience away from me. They cannot take you know, a lot of what happened afterwards away from me. Was I delivering groceries for the next year and a half? I was. And it was a tough pill to swallow because a lot of people had seen that video. Mm -hmm. Cut to like two years ago, that video, because Global's Got Talent, which is an affiliation, re-aired my episode and I ended up getting 41 million views on that one. My first one got so many, so many views, so many, I got so many things. The second time it went viral was even bigger. And I thought it it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but I was down and you saw me fucking down. And I wasn't yeah. allowed to talk about it for six months oh, because right. you signed a contract. So everybody was asking me what was happening. And when, and when it aired, and then it aired the people that were going to live, all of these tweets were coming. Where's that girl? They had me yeah. live tweeting, and then never they never told <laughs> they anyone why I was gone. They made me live tweet while my so, episode was airing. Yeah. So rough. So terrible. It's so bad. They're so terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. But, I mean, I don't blame anyone in particular for doing that. It's their job. They do whatever they need to do. Right. It, you just have to be aware if you're going into a competition show right. that these things can happen. Yeah. And it was definitely a test for me. I looked at it as a test, and, you know, I'm super happy with my career. Could that have helped considerably if all I needed to do is make it to the lives and I would have gotten a lot lot more road gigs does that make me angry sometimes of course but then again yes you can look at some 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 parts of your life where you wish that you had done something differently or it worked out differently and that's just not the way it's just not the way it's supposed to be at that moment um right but I think the lesson is that you know if for you it didn't keep you down for very long or really not at all and you know fast forward to today you're like the head writer on this, you know, comedy show, and you're working on a. Are we allowed to talk about the documentary? I mean, not the name, but yeah, okay. some yeah, pitching a documentary, and you have a lot of things going on. You've also appeared on Funny You Should Ask a number of times. I mean, you're let's just say you haven't delivered groceries in a long time, except no. to yourself. Um, I do. I deliver it right to myself and my cat. <laughs> I deliver it right to my cat. <laughs> You know, but you you definitely have had to fight for everything. Nothing has been handed to you. As of you, though. Yeah, true. You true. really, and you, I mean, anyone that sees you perform live, and, and you can catch Kimberly at Impro. Um, Impro Studio Impro in Los Studio, Feliz. In Los Feliz. And, uh, I mean, shows. you're so talented. Anytime I see any of your shows, to me, it's clear how talented you are. And, Thanks. I mean, everybody that you work with you know, is talented, but you, to me, stand apart for a lot of reasons. And, but I've definitely seen you as well clawing your way through those, you know, those things. It's weird because the reality of the industry, I mean, this is no great new observation, but the reality of the industry is that it's, it's, you know, there's nothing glamorous about it. You know, you, you, you fight so hard to get the job and then, you know, I would get these jobs and they weren't even, they weren't fun or gratifying. You're just like a day person coming in. You're not even, it doesn't feel collaborative. You're just, you feels like you're like a puzzle piece just being like pushed into place. It wasn't even fun once I got the jobs. Right. I mean, I had to sort of do a reset. A few years ago, I kind of pulled back from even pursuing acting because it just wasn't fulfilling me at all. And right. not only wasn't it fulfilling me, it was killing my love for performing. Right. I remember was, that. Was, yeah, it was just it was breaking my heart and it was just killing the love I had for for what I've done all these years and I felt like I just want to do what I do because I love it and I want to be inspired and I want to do it for the love of it. So that's mostly what I do now and I, you know, I occasionally still audition um for Cackling Witches and the like. <laughs> I'm available if you want to find me. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so now you work on Funny You Should Ask. Yes, and I'm yeah, and I'm grateful to you for helping me get that gig. Well, you, know? you got I it. Got that. That's another thing you clawed your way to because I mean I can only even though I'm the head writer. I can only recommend people, but I've right. recommended a lot of people that didn't even get through the first pass. And, you know, you had to turn in like three different packets. Yeah, I think I've got more packets than anybody. It's interesting because I, uh, yeah, I definitely worked hard to get that. And I wasn't sure. You know, I didn't know if I could write jokes. Right. <laughs> I was like, I, you know, I remember like bugging you and can I turn in a packet? Can I turn in a packet? And I know you were kind of helping to finesse the best time to do that. Yeah. And so you did. And so it was like time to turn in the first packet. And then I was like, shit, I have to like <laughs> write this shit. <laughs> I was like, wait, how does this work? I mean, I'd written sketch and I'd right. certainly I'd worked with enough stand-ups and to, to you know, I, I mean, I, I knew that I knew comedy but writing a punchline is kind of a whole different... It's completely, it's completely different. different. I mean, I didn't even... I mean, when I worked on the pilots and I had to turn in my first packet, I was like, wait. you know, I think it's... You and I, you know, you teach an SNL class, so mm-hmm. you work with people and you help them work, you know, original characters and celebrity impersonations, but you're basically helping them write jokes, as do I when I taught stand-up. And I think that has helped us in this... In this job, as far as like, oh, I can break this down and write a joke, but you don't know until you do it. And trust me, there's a lot of amazing stand-up comics that have submitted packets for this job that just didn't get called in at all. Yeah, yeah, it's it was it was weird. I definitely thought I don't know if I can write jokes, but I think the thing that helped me the most, in addition to sketch, was really was improv. Right. Yeah. Because you know, with improv, you're your mind, your, it's almost like Cynthia Zaghetti, who was our improv yes. teacher years ago, may she rest in peace. You know, one, I'll never forget she said, you know, taking improv classes and doing improv is like, you know, she said it's like there's a doorway between your conscious and your unconscious mind right. and it's on hinges and it swings both ways. And she said, uh, you know, doing working on improv is like oiling the hinges so that that door just swings freely and it's almost like you're unconscious mind will just take over and make connections that your conscious mind isn't even aware of. Right. And I've been working that those muscles for so many years just from doing, I mean, I've been doing improv for close to 30 years. It's a long freaking time. So my mind is capable of quickly looking at something from a variety of angles, which enables me to write, come up with a lot of different jokes on the same you know, based on the same sort of question that's stood me in good stead. But when I first submitted the packets, I had no idea if that was something I could do. Right. And it was a hard transition. And I was making it, you know, pretty, you know, late in life. It's not like I'm 85, but, you know, like pretty far along. You know, I'm new to be this is my first staff writing gig. Right. Um, I had done a, a few things yeah, Phineas uh, and Ferb. Yeah, I had submitted. A, I I was uh, a couple of my story treatments were bought by Phineas and Ferb, um, which was a, a great little show. Not a little show, a great, fantastic, yeah, yeah, yeah. big show, <laughs> very popular show. Um, but I had not been on a writing staff before, right? And uh, so that was really an interesting process. But it was funny to me because I I was I think concerned that age might play a role yeah. in whether or not I was hired. Yes. But it really, it was all about the packet, ultimately. It really was. It was all, all about the packet. I'm just going to bring that up because now we work with people that are older than us and a lot younger than us and exactly our age, which is great. It, it's really great. And we all seem to really get along. I mean, it's interesting, especially to see, you know, I'm not just going to be like, millennials suck. But some of them do. But uh, um, But I mean, like, it is, I mean, what's your take on just being, you know what I mean, Surrounded with, like, you know, these young, optimistic, you know, kids that are just, you know, especially, I mean, there's a couple people in mind. We don't have to bring up any names, but you know what I mean? But, like, people that actually do have talent but are just, you know what I mean? Like, that entitled or didn't come up. See, we came up, you know, and I'm, I talk about this a lot in the majority of these shows because it's a huge factor in all of the areas of our life that is social media. And mm. you and I both came from a place where I used to walk the streets of New York handing Pound out my... the pavement. I they called it pounding the pavement. <laughs> they did, and I did. I would walk were. to right. casting 
directors and hand my headshot your to physical them. Headshot. Your physical your headshot. black and white Your black headshot. and white headshot because I didn't want to do <laughs> mailings because I didn't have money to do 50 or 100 mailings, which I did later when I moved out here. I did mailings. But in New York, you could just walk. To, you, just, you would just go with another actor and you would just walk and knock on the door. That's how I got The Sopranos. I literally knocked on a door and the guy took my shot and ran out and said, hey, are you union? And I was, I think it was eligible at the time, but he said, we, I need extras. We're the, it was the first season of Sopranos and I, it wasn't the pilot, but it was one of the first episodes and we need extras. Are you available Friday night? And he booked me in the hallway there and it was in the middle of summer and we, we had to be dressed like winter. So like people were passing out and they didn't seem to care. And it was like 1 a.m. And it was supposed to be a club scene in the middle of winter. And they had a Martin Scorsese impersonator because at that time the show hadn't aired and they couldn't obviously get Martin Scorsese to play himself. But they had him just sort of walking in a club. And I just somehow knew get up front because I knew about continuity. And if I'm in a scene that's All up right. front and I'm yelling, they're going to have to use it every right. time. So I screamed, can I get in? And it was at the right moment, and they had to have me do that over and over. Now, they didn't pay me for that line. They just were like, just ever, like, it, it's the right. same thing happened over and over again, which was great. And then again, I thought, oh, this is how easy the industry is. And right. then that was it. And then I moved to L.A., and then I slowly died. Let my soul, and then I had to read birth and all that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, like, so, so when social media started happening, you know what I mean, um, you know, we obviously, you know, we came, you know, came up, and we were like, "Oh, Facebook, oh, MySpace, first of all, oh my God, MySpace, MySpace. oh Jesus, yeah. fucking." I you think know I what? still have a MySpace page out there somewhere. I think somewhere too. You know what? I'm on a dating site called Raya, and guess who's on Raya? Is Tom from MySpace? <laughs> Wait, and is Tom so- an actual guy? Oh yeah, I Tom? thought he was just like no. a fake guy. No, and MySpace <gasps> does still exists for musicians, correct? I believe yes, so for musicians, yeah. Oh okay. So. <laughs> Tom is on fucking this dating app. Oh and I God. always, That's not that so I want to date Tom, but I always try to swipe right for him just to see he never connects with me because he doesn't want somebody who's in their 40s. But even though he's, he's definitely in his 40s, oh, he's got to be like, yeah, at yeah. least. But no, he doesn't want me. But I constantly just keep trying to like be like, I just want to meet him in person to be like, what happened with MySpace? You know what I mean? Because then we all went to Facebook. But now Facebook is like, now everyone is on Instagram. And right. I, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I I constantly have to force myself to be on Instagram and do it and constantly post and make sure everybody sees it. And it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And we see, I mean, we just see people at work on their phones like all the time. I mean, we're so, it's so easy for us to retreat into ourselves and to stay home every night. It's easier for some reason because we've become disconnected, I, I feel, to a lot of people because of social media. Because you can just... You can see some of your friends that you haven't seen in a while because you've been following them on right. social media. It and it feels, feels like, like you've, seen them. It feels like you've seen them. And then you're like, oh, we actually haven't gotten together in yeah. two years. Yeah. Well, two things. One yeah. is if I had to go back in time, I wish I could go back in time. Mm-hmm. But the one piece of advice I would give myself, right. and I give this to those of you out there listening, listen, is I completely underestimated the the power and the currency of youth. Mm. Like, I think I thought that experience and talent, but even experience more than talent, is what what people were looking for. I thought, oh, I have to already have credits to find an agent. I have to already be in the union, blah, blah, blah. Who wants to look at me? I have no credits. But now, from this perspective, they don't expect you to have credits if you're just out of school. You're yeah. young. They want you know, Young. like they want youth. they want your your your, your youth. youth. They they're like it's like a fucking vampire. Like yeah. they want to like suck your youth. I do. So um, yeah, <laughs> I know you do. Oh, um, <laughs> suck that youth right out of I that know. guy. There is uh, yeah, they're doing that now, aren't they? Like literally, yeah. Vampire, like, yeah they're taking. You they'll can inject take, you with. Yes, we yeah, know a trip because we work blood. on a trivia show. You can take a younger person's blood. blood. No joke. It has been proven to slow the aging process if you use it, like in facials. Right. And in, of course, my thought was that, like, yes, every teen in Beverly Hills will soon go missing, and all of their blood will be drained. Right. Because, and I trust me, I'd hold a bitch down and be like, give me some of. <laughs> Those fucking platelets, platelets, bitch. Like you just fucking see me in the alleyway, fucking like backstreet, like plasma buying. Yeah, just like fifty bucks. Just give me just a fucking syringe. Like I'll set up a fucking fake blood, (laughs) make blood drive, blood drive.
drive in my house and just like stack it up. You know what I mean? But you know what's very interesting, people, about this, and I saw it because I watch a lot of serial killer documentaries, and if you know you know this about me, is there is one, it is um oh, it's it's called Lore. I think it came out of Lore, which is a great show on, I believe, Netflix or Amazon, but it's all folklores and Hmm. the story the original stories they originated from. And one of the most to history um well, I think she killed. She's a serial killer. She killed the most people. It was a God. I'm gonna mess this up. She's a Hungarian princess. It is. Oh a yeah, right. I remember. So she was married this. to a you know some czar, whatever. Anyway, he died in battle. She was very young and beautiful. I mean, very very young and beautiful. And somehow she figured out way ahead of her fucking time that the blood of younger women, when rubbed, absorbed into her skin, was keeping her skin youthful. It's a fact, and we are doing that now. But she started getting peasants. She had her. She had some people on staff that she would take a little bit of their blood at a time, but then she would recruit them to get peasant girls and kill them, slaughter them to take their blood. And it's, like, insane. And you know what her punishment was when they finally... She had a book, and they. I, I think they estimated over 500 people she killed. Here's the best thing. Her punishment was she was sentenced to like a cell they didn't kill her for some reason they locked her away without mirrors no i think with a mirror no with <laughs> oh, a mirror, really oh. but with no access she just had to watch herself get old i don't even oh, know if they did cool. yeah I, I i'm not sure if they did that as the it was sort of like but it was very very interesting but you're right the whole youth and social media just is like it is it, it worse more than ever i can't feel older than when i go right. onto instagram and i'm like oh god yeah Oh my God! I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I find social media really soul crushing. I, I don't. I don't even engage with it that much. I'm on stupid Facebook, and I sort of like hate myself. I like <laughs> scroll through the feed. I, I. This is what I do. I scroll through the feed. I <laughs> like, 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 like. Ha ha ha. Lol. Heart, heart, heart. Until I feel like my soul is starting to die, and then I get off. So, and it usually takes about, it's like seven to ten minutes. Like, you could kind of like, you know, you could like time it. You could like put something in the oven and time it. Like, when your soul starts to die, take the chicken out of the oven. Right. Um, and Instagram, I don't really engage with it at all. My friends who are connected with me on Instagram, you know, post right, things yeah. and tag me. Thank you, Jody Miller. Yes. So, that's the only reason I have followers. I just, I honestly, I could not possibly care less. But I, I cannot emphasize enough how how important youth is in this business and it doesn't yeah youth more than anything and i just i just wish if i had it all to do over again i wish i'd been ballsier to just say like i have this commodity and and i i just didn't know you know when you're young you don't know well here's the thing two things that were commodity hold on to that two things I feel like, I know for me, I feel like people did tell us this when we were young. Like, you know, you're mm. young, you're, we didn't, we're like, of course, yeah, we are fucking young. We didn't put it together because right. in our minds, even though we knew we were going to get older, it it doesn't register when you're young. That's why they say youth is wasted on the young. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't register. You're like, I know that. That's why I'm doing it. You know what I mean? Now, for anybody out there who isn't watching Fleabag, watch Fleabag. Oh my God, so good. But the episode in season one where he I'm asked for just... greatest fear is oh. in the bathtub and she says that I'm going to lose my youth oh, currency. Right. Yes. Right. And it's so true. Right. It is true. And you and you actually and she's in her thirties in the show and that's when you start realizing that it's a commodity. Mm-hmm. And you're at your thirties and right. it's like use it or lose it because then all of a sudden by the time you're forty, like you're not considered in that group anymore. Right. But people in their twenties you know, there are certain people that come to mind that we know that, like, no matter what you say to them. And by the way, people in your 20s, stop getting work done because you actually make yourself look older. You now look like someone that's that looks that's good for their age. To look your age yes, right? that like you look like someone who's way that 10 years older, but we, right. that looks good for your age. When you're still in your 20s, you don't need all that bullshit in your face. I have all that bullshit in my face because I need it and I want it. But I didn't start getting that until my late 30s. Like I wouldn't have even thought to get it in my 20s, but it, it makes you look older. And I know you don't think it does, but it does. Having said that, though, there are people that are in their 20s that even if we told them, like, you've, they're like, yeah, I know. I know I'm young. and Like, I know I've got it. Like, I'm youthful. I'm just, I am. And they're, you just can't you can't put it together until you're older, unfortunately. But we were talking yeah. about like you know a friend of ours who's just stunning, 
and, you know, gorgeous and, like, naturally beautiful. Doesn't need to stitch makeup. She's one of those girls that you, like, she's she's super nice, but you still want to, like, strangle her, you know, because um, she's so pretty. But we were just talking about it the other day, and I'm like, I mean, she's a little boring. And you said. Oh, <laughs> I said, yeah, because she can afford to be. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have to be interesting. She's pretty. And I, I know some people are going to be like, that's not true. But no, you know, it's it kind is. Of, it's kind yeah. of true. Yeah. I had to be funny and interesting and smart. Oh, I yeah. fucking had to be super fucking funny. I right. remember when I had to be funny. I remember yeah. when I, yeah. I wish I could have, I wish I was pretty enough to have been boring. That sounds so great. Wouldn't it be great to just be boring? Wouldn't it be great to just walk into a party and just sit there and let everyone and come let talk to you? let people come to you and things come to you. And I know that's not so great. <laughs> no, it's what a world we live in. I remember, like, yeah, I remember, you know, being in the throes of puberty and, you know, gaining a whole bunch of weight. My parents were going through a divorce and I got a mullet for some reason and a perm on top of naturally oh, curly hair. And it was all just not going right for me and everything was out of place. And I was getting bullied a little bit by a former friend. It was like sixth grade to seventh grade. Hmm. And it was really, really, really very traumatic, and they at that time were calling my home and hanging up and prank oh calls. Gosh. It was really bad, and all my oh, friends would secretly tell me, like, we're still friends with you, but then they would be mean <gasps> to me. And it all was a misunderstanding between girls, and then people would be like, oh, you're fat. I was just going Ugh. through puberty, and I was definitely, like, overweight, but, I mean, it, it was what it was. But it, I remember, I don't, I had to all of a sudden, and I, I think I was probably funny you know we were always funny but I had to really outwardly be really funny and Mm. kind of like nip it in the bud and be like I'm really funny and then that distracted from what anybody else was saying to me and then it wasn't until middle of seventh grade that the girl who started a lot of the bullying we were in middle school together and we were walking through a hallway and she said something to me that was you know at that point we were in a new school so it wasn't that bad but she was still being mean to me and she said something to me and I fucking turned around and shoved her into the bushes Good. in front of a lot of people. And everyone saw it. That was the end of the bullying yeah. for sure. Wasn't the end, end of my awkward stage, by the way. Uh, that didn't change until like sophomore year in high school. But her and I then became best friends. And I mean, looking back. You became best friends with your bully? Yep. Because <gasps> she actually was so like, couldn't believe that I did that. Wow. And then we slowly became friends. And then we were mm-hmm. best friends until we went to different high schools. And, you know, that was the end of that. But I mean... I remember I remember having to have a really big personality so people wouldn't, mm. you know, pick on me and, and wouldn't, you know, my brother, you know, used to make fun of me when I was yeah. little. So I had to be, you know, there was a lot of things I thought I had to be to sort of distract that and to mm. show them that I'm not, you know what I mean? And then... And then I obviously I grew out of a lot of the awkward phase and I and I went on a diet and I and I did all the things that you're supposed to do. And I remember having, you know, guys give me positive attention for how I looked. And that sounds great to some people, but it fucked me up for several years because I thought that was my only worth then. I realized that I could help me get things, but it also made me very lonely and sad because I thought that that was the only thing guys wanted me for. And then they didn't get to know my personality. Only my real friends got to know my personality. And it was a lot of growing up and a lot of years of therapy that you learn how to just, you know, accept you for everything. You're good, you're bad, your personality, your looks, everything. It changes continually. The older I get, the more I look at myself. And even though I'm having a great day, I could walk to the car and throw my back out, as you know very well. I could, you know what I mean, reach for an envelope and then you can't move for a week and you're like, what the fuck? You know, like every morning I play the game, what's wrong with me today? Like, how bad is my acid reflux going to be today? (laughs) Like, I remember being able to, I could fucking just drink gasoline and be like, it doesn't affect me. And now I'm like, does that have onions in it? Does that have onions in that? What kind of salsa is that? It's like full tomatoes in there. It's a full fucking tomato in that jar of salt. I'm not eating that. Not for you anymore. Plain hummus. Thank you very much. Not roasted pepper hummus, hummus. <laughs> Chickpea. Oh, I know. It's I know. a freak show. Aging is a freak show. It is because your brains think we're still in our 20s. Mine does. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, certain things drop off and there's some, there's some sadness with that for sure. I mean, right. I, you know, I definitely, I heard you talking with your, uh, the previous person about, you know, like getting attention or when that stops and all right. that stuff. And I kind of feel like I'm like, I'm like just past that place where it has stopped for me. Like guys don't really flirt with me so much anymore. Like, you know who flirts with me is like young guys who think it's cute to flirt yeah. with the, the woman who could, is old enough to be their mother. <laughs> like I get a lot of action from like the 25 year old set. 
Like, they dig me, but they're not, like, really digging me. It's sort of like, I don't know if they're just, like, throwing me a bone or, like, what's going on. I don't think so. And her and I were talking, I don't know if you were here for that. The reason, because she tends to date older men, Crystal, and she just Mm -hmm. got out of, you know, an engagement. And she's stunning. She's definitely stunning and has the confidence that we all wish we had. But she, you know, she was talking about dating older men, and I date younger men I didn't, it wasn't, you do? It, I know it's crazy. It wasn't a conscious choice. It was, and it, they were the ones flirting with me. I mean, yeah. it's, and it felt good. And then after a couple of drinks, the next thing you know, you're like making out with one of them and you're like, what? And it just felt good. And it, it doesn't have a future for the most part, but it felt good. And I don't think necessarily they're throwing you a bone. There is something, and I brought this up to her, but there are articles out there. My friend Jana, who, uh, Recently just hooked up with a younger guy. Uh, and my realtor, Stephanie Kahn, who's great if you need a house. She also had a younger guy thing. Sent me these articles about why younger guys are preferring older women. You know, just for a lot of reasons. The confidence, the the experience, just there's a lot of reasons. And even if it is a fetish, there's a point, a part of you that's like, okay, I'll take it at this yeah. point. But it is, it's really when you stop getting attention, there's, yeah, there's something that's it really damages your, your soul. doesn't matter how healthy you are you are but it's also weirdly freeing yes true it's like i don't have to worry about what i look like because nobody's looking anyway do you know what i mean like it's kind of bizarrely liberating kind of like oh yeah i don't have to deal with any of that bullshit anymore i don't have to like go to a party and like wonder like who's looking at me who's gonna talk to me you know who's gonna want my number go home with me like i you know especially if you say it like that well i mean if you cackled at a party maybe so you know here's the thing because i compare everybody does uh i compared myself and more importantly, try not to be like my mother. My mother, you know, beautiful, but never dated another person after my parents mm. got divorced. Not even one date. And that was, you know, 30 years of mm. nothing. And it, very sad, but she suffered from depression. But so I had that complicated relationship with her. But your mom, on the other hand, oh has God. always been with a man. Yes. You know what I mean? And so, like, how was that? I mean, growing up with the attention. I mean, your mom is married to your dad, obviously. But I mean, like, yeah. you know, and... It's like, what was that dynamic like? Um, Because your mom bases a lot of stuff on looks and appearance, correct? correct Yeah, I mean, I think that was... And Harriet's a lovely woman. Yes, she's she's still beautiful. She's 91. Um, The facelift has really held up. (laughs) Really, I'm not kidding. It's impressive. When did she get the facelift? It was around the time I graduated from uh, graduate school at CalArts, and I know that because I remember she looked really surprised (laughs) all the time. And I thought, wow, I hope it, hopefully it will relax and ease and settle in. And it did. And then she looked, you know, more normal. But yeah, she got some really good work done. But my mother is the most glamorous uh, woman I've ever known. She always was. She was, you know, like back in the 40s, she looked like, uh, she looked like a model. She looked like a movie star. I mean, she was that gorgeous. Right. Um, Yeah, there's a great picture of you, of uh, her and your dad. Yeah, I mean, she she was a stunning woman. She has always been a stunning woman. She has always been very popular with men. Um, I, I don't. She never let me in on how you do that. <laughs> so I'm hoping I'm still like fingers crossed. Yes, maybe right, maybe maybe in the will there'll be like a little like, note. This is for Kimberly. Like, yes, the secret this is what is you do. the secret is cook kugel, and that's kugel. it. It's just like her magic kugel, <laughs> but which, is a ju- kugel. which is the Jewish food. People, yeah. by the way, look it up. It's delicious. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, we're we're very different in that way. That she has gone from relationship to relationship, right. um, like really with that with very few pauses. And I've been the opposite. Like right. I'm I'm all pauses. And like the <laughs> smattering of relationships with inappropriate men. <laughs> well, yeah. that's what I specialize in. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's weird. You know, it's 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 strange. We are we are very different in that way. And my mother was a, a very traditional kind of housewife mom. Uh, I mean, she grew up, she literally was born in like 1927. I mean, it, talk about, wow. like my father fought in World War II. Like, this is crazy shit. So, I mean, she had me a little older in life. So we, the generation gap is, and just I think with technology and everything else, the generation gap was, I think, pretty huge between right. me and, and both my parents. They were almost like like 50s parents, like right. very, you know, kind of conservative and traditional. And I was not. You like, not. I was like, you know, kissing black boys and, you know, 
<laughs> you know, like Jewish girls in, you know, Squirrel Hill, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, like didn't do that, you know, um, uh, just wanting to be an actress, all that stuff. I think they they spent a lot of years waiting for me to wake up and realize I had always wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> Still hasn't happened. Uh, yeah, so it was. There was some tension there for sure. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's a it's a very we look at the world. I think from two very different perspectives. And I love my mom. Yes. But. Uh, yeah, we we have differing, very differing views. I think on the world is the way I would put it. Right. Um, all right, we need to wrap up because this hour just flew by. What? Oh, God. Um, well, tell everyone where they can find you. They can't find me. Okay. Well, there <laughs> that's go. the way I like. <laughs> no, I'm on stupid fucking Facebook as Kimberly Lewis, but there's like a 900 Kimberly Lewis's. So good luck finding me. You'll probably see a picture of my dog Magoo, <laughs> who is the cutest. Um, who is the cutest? He's my significant other. He's the only man for me. Um, but on Instagram, I think I'm Lewis Link 19. I don't know. Um, Just contact me and I'll tell you where Contact Jody and she'll put you in touch with me. I'm not sure I want to be found. It depends. But watch Funny You Should Ask because yeah, she has ask. tons and tons and tons on jokes on that show. And she's amazing and brilliant. Aww, thank you, Jody And Miller. I'm super grateful that you're in my life and continue to be in my life. Oh, yeah. Impro Studio in Los yes. Feliz. I'm performing there uh, all the time. Yes, you are tonight. But you guys aren't going to hear it tonight. Tonight you're going to be like, what's tonight? What day is this? I don't your even loss. know what day it is. It is your loss. Um, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I love you all. My name is Jody Miller and this is Don't Call Me Ma'am. Don't fucking call me ma'am. This has been a Global Story Network production.